while ago I, I read a, a devotion and, and it had this rather strange thought as an ending. The author closed with these words, I hope you get some chocolate cake today. Now I, I don't ordinarily like to tip as to, off as to how I'm going to close a message. Not that I like to think I can keep you on the edges of your seats in suspense, but I usually like to let it be something that maybe you're not expecting. But today I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to close this message with these exact words. You'll know I'm done when I say these words. I hope you get some chocolate cake today. Now to understand my choice of those words, I need to share a little bit of this devotion with you, okay? A boy was visiting his grandma, and he told her how everything was going wrong for him. School was hard. His parents had grounded him. He had a miserable cold. And even his best friend hadn't played with him all week. As she listened, grandma was working at her kitchen counter. She suddenly asked him if he would like a snack. You bet, he said. Here. Have a sip of cooking oil. Yuck, Grandma, the boy said. I can't drink that. Then how about a couple of eggs? They're raw and fresh, said Grandma. That's gross, Grandma. Who eats raw eggs? Well, how about a handful of flour, she asked, or a mouthful of baking soda? Here's a cup of sugar. Grandma. Those are all yucky, the boy said. Don't you have something better? She smiled and took his hand in hers and said, Yes, all those things are pretty bad by themselves, but when you put them together in the right way, they make a chocolate cake that tastes pretty good. Would you like some cake? You bet, the boy said. She continued, Life often happens to us in the same way, one thing at a time. We wonder why God let us get sick or go through hard times or get pushed around by people. But God knows that when he gives us all those things in the right way, they can make something very good in our life. They can help us trust him and see the good things that he wants for us. Well, what do you think about that grandma's bit of wisdom? I mean, I'm sure you have been through hard times, painful times. You may even be in such a time right now. Do you find her words hard to believe about, in the end, this will all come together and be something that tastes good? That, in the author's words, at the end of the day, you'll end up with a nice slice of delicious chocolate cake. There's a pretty good reason, I think, that you and I find it hard to believe that bad things, when they happen, will somehow be working out for our good. The writer to the Hebrews says it this way in chapter 12, verse 11, No discipline seems at the pleasant at the time, but painful. So here's the question. When God disciplines you, when he allows something in your life that is painful and difficult, how can you believe that somehow it will be 
for your good. How can you believe that? He is doing this. He is allowing this because you are his beloved child. When it's hard to believe that, how do you believe that? Well, I think perhaps the most critical factor in believing that when it is hard to believe that is to understand and accept this one truth. Discipline and punishment are not the same thing. They are two different things. Punishment. When you punish someone, that is justified payback for what they did. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Here's an example of punishment from the Bible, from the book of Genesis. Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by a man shall his blood be shed. That's justice. That's punishment. But discipline is not payback for a wrong. Discipline is training someone to become something that they currently are not. Today's text says discipline is to help us become something that we're not, more like God. God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, lest you think I'm kind of splitting hairs here with words between discipline and punishment, let me put in front of you a true-false question, which I think will help you see that there is a difference between the two, true or false. Every punishment from God that I ever deserved because of my sin was placed on Jesus. That's true, isn't it? In 1 John chapter 1, the, the truth that the punishment we deserved as a result of our sin was instead laid on Jesus, it's put in this way. Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the world. That key word there is the word atoning. Okay? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Taking the price of the punishment, taking what is duly deserved, making oneness out of brokenness, atoning sacrifice for our sins. I think maybe we can see this, that we are not punished for our sins and discipline is something different than punishment. If we go back to my favorite story in the Bible, the parable of the prodigal son. When that young man came back home, did his father in any way, shape, or form punish him? 
did the dad heed the advice of the older brother? The older brother wanted that son, his brother, to get everything he had coming, didn't he? But did the father do that? Or did Jesus put these words into the mouth of the father and these actions into the hands of the father to teach us about the grace and the forgiveness of God and that there is no punishment given to us for our sin. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Does that sound like punishment? The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. There was no punishment given to the prodigal son for what he had done was there, nor will there ever be any punishment given to you and me for what we have done. Because Jesus took all of that punishment, what we deserved for our sin, Jesus took all of that punishment, even as the Father put it all on him. From Isaiah, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. For it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And by his wounds, yeah, by his wounds we are healed. Now before we get too far away from this story of the prodigal son, let's back up and see this. The younger son did receive discipline, didn't he? And it was discipline in the form of the wisdom of the father knowing that what he had to do was let his son go and experience the consequences of his choices and his actions so as to come back and be someone who he wasn't when he first left home. So it is with God in our lives. Like the prodigal son, as it says in the opening words of today's New Testament lesson, we have our struggles with sin, don't we? And sometimes God will hold us with an open hand and let us go and experience that sin so as to let us experience also the natural consequences of that sinful action. Other times he will 
do it deliberately. He will deliberately give us something that will test us and, and, and help us grow in our faith in him. Now, who knows how God might choose to discipline us. He might choose to discipline us with a time of illness. He might choose to discipline us with a dream that we have that never comes to fruition. It never is realized. It could be any number of ways in which God in his wisdom and his love steps into our lives to discipline us so that we grow in our faith and in our trust in him. God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. So how do you believe that when it's hard to believe it? You know, there's no set formula that I can give you today in terms of do step one, do step two, do step three. Next time you're in a hard time and feeling the discipline of God, and, and you'll be able to believe that, yep, he's doing this out of his fatherly love for me, and this is all going to turn out for my good. There's no process in place that enables you to do it, but there are, there are three truths that God gives us to hold on to during those hard times so that we can believe that what is happening in our lives, he will make it work together for our good. Truth number one, whatever it is that you are experiencing, it is not punishment of God to you because of your sin. It is not that. It's not. Because in Jesus Christ, God took away all punishment for your sin. That's done and over in Jesus. So it is not punishment for your sin. Okay? Truth number two. God disciplines you because he loves you. And he has accepted you fully in his son, Jesus. First, stating that truth negatively as it does in Hebrews 12. If you're not disciplined, then you are not true sons and daughters at all. Or stating it positively as it does in Hebrews chapter 12. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his child. Truth number three. Not only is the not punishment, not only is whatever if from his love, truth number three, God will use all of these setbacks and all of these circumstances and all of these events and all of this suffering to work for your eternal good. From Psalm 138, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me your love, O Lord, endures forever. Or as it says, and I think more familiar words to us from Romans chapter 8. We know that in all things God works together for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And if you're concerned that you won't be able to remember those three truths, 
when it comes to crunch time and, and believing, when it's hard to believe, then just remember this one truth. God is really good at making chocolate cake. I pray you have some chocolate cake today. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.